All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 this morning. We once again find Paul and Timothy. Look with me in, if you would please, in verse 1 of chapter 1 of this book. The Bible says Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, which is Timothy, under the church of the Thessalonians in God of our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find, once again, we find Paul and Timothy. For the last several weeks, we've kind of watched Paul develop Timothy. We found where he first was introduced to Timothy, and he brought Timothy alongside of him. And he began to instruct Timothy. The book of First and Second Timothy are Paul's instructions to Timothy, how to pastor and how to care for people, how to feed the flock. And so we find, once again, here's another different, different church in a different period of time, but we find where Paul and Timothy now are writing this specific church. This church was a thriving, uh, in a thriving place, and right in the center of Greece, this, this church sat, and um, people all around, a thriving commercial place, and they were introduced to everything that was known to man at that time. Anything that was evil, anything that, that uh, pleasured man was introduced here in this period of time. And Paul, we find, felt great afflict, uh, affection, I'm sorry, for this church. Look with me in First Thessalonians. Just turn, turn with me a couple pages. We're going to be back and forth in both of these books this morning. And uh, just two short books, First Thessalonians chapter number 2. And uh, look with me in verse number 7 of this, of this uh, chapter. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Look with me in verse number 11. He goes on to say this, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. And so we find that Paul cherished this church. He loved this church. He poured himself into this church. And the, the Christians here in this church, they did more than just talk about the gospel. This church was acting upon giving the gospel to everyone that they, they could. They were about their community and their workplaces, giving the gospel. They believed what Paul had shared with them. They believed that Jesus Christ died for their sins. They believed that Jesus Christ was hope. And they gave that story to everyone they possibly can. Turn with me to the book of Acts, if you would, please. The book of Acts. In, we're going to go to verse number, uh, chapter 17 in the book of Acts. In verse 1, we find that Paul is now coming to this church. And Paul, in verse number 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, that Jesus Christ, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks of a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. And so we find here in uh, Acts chapter 17, when Paul comes to this place, that he preaches the gospel. And the Bible says that many believed. When it says here, and of the women, not a few, meaning a lot of them came and received Christ. 
They saw Paul's passion. They saw how Paul preached Christ. And they took that then, that model that Paul gave them, they went and with passion preached Christ in their community as well. And that's the way it ought to be. Exactly how Paul with passion preached is how, how those that learned from Paul went about. And that's how we ought to be as well. With passion preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this church, it was a healthy church. Their faith was spread far and wide. Look with me in 2 Thessalonians, back to 2 Thessalonians, and look with me in chapter 1 here of this, of this uh, book. We find in verse number 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse number 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Paul writing with Timothy, and he says, we remember, we remember without ceasing your work of faith, meaning this, you didn't stop preaching the gospel. This was what you had zeal to do. It, 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 it was everything you were about. He didn't stop. In labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and, our, and of our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. And so we find that this church was a healthy church, preaching and spreading the gospel just like they were taught by Paul in the book of Acts. They were waiting for Christ's return. In 1 Thessalonians, we find where Paul preached and told them that Jesus Christ was coming again. And they were anticipating this. Paul wrote of this return. Just again, look back with me a, 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 another a couple pages, if you would, please. I want to um, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and look with me in verse number 13. Paul writes this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those that have already gone before us in death. He says, That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He says, Those that have gone before us, don't sorrow. Those that have no hope, they sorrow for those that have gone before us. He says, but we, we have hope. In verse number 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And he says this, this is where the Lord's returning. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the rapture of the church that Paul is, is, is encouraging them. He says, one day, one day that, that uh, Jesus Christ is going to come, and there's going to be a trump that sounds, and, and those that have already gone on before us, those that are in the graves, they're going to, they're going to rise out of the graves. And then he goes on to say, uh, and then we which are alive and remain. So those that are still alive when Jesus Christ comes, we're going to meet. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds, and we're going to meet those that have gone on before us. He says, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in verse number 18, he says this, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that area to comfort, what he was saying is those that have believed and have died, there's hope. There's hope. 
Don't mourn like the world mourns without hope. Know this, that those have trusted in Christ. Yes, they're, they're buried in that ground. But one day Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to call his church home. And when that trumpet sounds in, the, in a twinkle of an eye, those that are dead, they're going to rise again. And then we that are alive are going to meet those in the sky and be with Jesus forevermore. What was exciting. Jesus Christ is coming again. What he was telling them is this. Our hope is not in vain. Our salvation, our salvation is real. It's true. Jesus saved us and he, and he, and he gave us eternal life. And Jesus even said this, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. And when you get saved, he's preparing a place for you. And he's coming again. Isn't that good? He's coming again. And so he teaches the church here that Jesus is coming again. And they were, they were waiting on Christ's return. When the, Paul wrote this first book to this church, they were convinced that Jesus was coming at any moment. I mean, they literally thought that at any moment he was coming. And they began to live their lives that way. They waited for Christ. Christ didn't come. You know, as hope fades and people lose heart, doubt begins to grow. Doubt. That decline began to happen, I believe, in 2 Thessalonians here. Look with me in 2 Thessalonians. Back to 2 Thessalonians. Look with me in chapter number 2, verses 2 and 3. Paul writes this in this book, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by the Spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Paul says, don't let people fool you. Some would say this, Jesus Christ had already come and we had missed it. And others were saying this, that, that we ought to quit our jobs and just wait. Don't do anything. Jesus is coming. So we don't even need to think about the future. All we need to do is, is think about wait this, this moment. So let's not plan for the future. Let's not work. Let's not prepare. Let's not, not meet, uh, get any needs met because Jesus is coming. Others said this, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true at all. And so this church was at a place where their hope was fading. There were so many things that, that, that were being said and taught that it troubled this church. And word got back to Paul, and Paul immediately then wrote uh, the, the, the epistle of 2 Thessalonians to, to straighten out and make sure they understand that, number one, Jesus Christ has not come. Number two, that he is coming and that it's true. And that we are to live our life in such a way that's pleasing to the Lord so that when he does return, each and every one of us can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so Paul was encouraging them that Jesus is going to come and he was encouraging them not to quit, not to, not to give up, not to forsake everything, waiting for him to come, but to work until Jesus Christ comes. And so we find that's the condition of the church and Paul urges this church that was at the brink of fading. Look with me in verse 
15 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Paul was saying here in this verse, stand fast, hold on to the truth, don't give up. There's going to be many that fall away in the last days, but don't be one of those that fall away. Hold fast, know what you believe, and stand upon what you believe. Don't let false teaching come in and don't let, don't let false teaching discourage you. Don't let them say that Jesus Christ has already come. It's not true. Don't let them say that, that he's not coming. That's not true. Occupy till he comes. Stand fast till he comes. Work till Jesus Christ comes. But know this, he is coming again. Comfort one another with those words, he says. And so we find Paul, he urges the church at the brink of fading, to stand fast. Find comfort in Jesus Christ. There's something I want us to see in chapter number three, and I want to bring, bring our attention to chapter three of 2 Thessalonians. I say all that by way of introduction just to get you to understand what's happening here at this church. This is a church that was once on fire. This is a church that was soul winning, that was seeing people saved, that was going out into their, their marketplace and, and sharing the gospel. Now this is a church that started to fade. Paul and Timothy are writing to this church in the second epistle. And they say this, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Verse number two, and that you may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God in the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of, Je uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Paul says this, pray. Pray for us. I want you to turn, and I, I know we're using a lot of scripture, but it's important to tie these two two uh, epistles together, turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just a, a page or two in your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Paul, when he writes this epistle, look with me in verse 25, he says, brethren, pray for us. Now, there's one thing that hasn't changed from the first epistle to the second epistle, and that is this, Paul knows the power of prayer. Paul knows that the church is at a time in its life where, where they're new believers and they're, they're saved now and they're trusting the Lord and they've been, been encouraged and they've been helped. But he knows this, that Satan is going to do everything he can to attack that church in bringing in false teaching and bringing in discouragement and bringing in things that would keep them from, from doing what they're supposed to do and that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That was what the emphasis was. That's what they're zeal once was that's what their desire was and now some things have caused discouragement and Paul says I want you to do this I want you to pray for us I want you to see this morning 
The deep commitment to prayer. Number one, a deep commitment to prayer. You know, prayer is one of the things that is talked about the most, but done the least in most Christians' lives. We have access through Jesus Christ to the throne room of heaven. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a time where, where the Jews, they could not go to, to God themselves. They had to go to the tabernacle, and they went to the priest, and they would confess their sins to the priest, and they would have a sacrifice there. And the priest, and only the high priest could go into what was called the Holy of Holies, and he and only he could go into that place and could speak to God. While everyone else stood outside and watched this happen, only one could go in and speak to God and hear from God. Everyone else had to sit by and wait. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he shed his blood upon the cross, when he became sin for us, one of the events that took place, that, that took place on that day, not only, not only did God turn his back on his son, not only did the skies turn black, not only did there become a, a payment, a redemption for all mankind, the Bible tells us this, that the veil that was in the temple, it was torn in two. And the reason why that veil was torn in two, because no longer, no longer does man have to let someone else go into the Holy of Holies and pray. No longer do we have to go in and, and someone else beg God on our behalf. From that point forward, we now as saved individuals, we can bow our heads. We can enter in prayer into the throne room of God. We can have the audience of God in prayer. Paul, knowing that, he is encouraging. He's encouraging the believers here. He says this, I want you to pray for us. There was a deep commitment here to prayer. I want you to see, what is he, what is he looking for? Turn back with me to, to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He's saying this, pray for us. In, in, in that same verse, he says this, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as, as it is with you. He's saying this, I want you to pray that we have free course, that God be glorified, that we can freely, we can freely do what God has called us to do. That nothing is going to hold us back. That nothing is going to limit us. That discouragement or false teaching or the things that we're battling right now in the church, that nothing is going to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Paul, who has been in prison, Paul, who has been beaten, Paul, who has been uh, 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 buffeted by Satan himself to stop doing the work of the Lord. Paul says, I need you to pray for us. Now, I'm going to pray for you that we have free course, that we do what God has called us to do, and nothing stops us. No excuses. You know, we live in a world that's easy to make excuses, doesn't, don't we? Easy to make excuses. It's too hot, it's too cold. It's too easy, it's too hard. Not enough resources. There's a lot of excuses. Persecution is too great. The world is too, too, uh, too sinful. Nobody wants to hear the gospel. There's a lot of excuses that we can come up with. But Paul said, first of all, I want you to pray for us that we have free course, that we do what God has called us to do, that we don't make excuses, that we don't use reasons not to preach the gospel, that we continue to stick with what we started with. He said, pray for us. Secondly, he said this, in verse number two, and that we may be delivered from the unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. He says, 
pray for us and have a deep commitment to prayer, first of all, that we have free course and that God would be glorified. And secondly, he said this, pray for us that, that uh, we have deliverance from those that would influence, influence us to sin. Now listen to me. All around us, there's influences to sin. All around us. We live in a world that's trying to entice us with our lust. All around us. Everything you see, everything you hear, there's an enticingness to, to draw us in. You know, those are things in the world, even in what is around religion or Christianity, there is false teachings that is trying to entice us in. Paul says, pray for us. Pray that we don't get influenced by those that would, would cause us to sin. Pray that we live a life in such a way that's pleasing the Lord. Pray that we have free course, that we, we do what God's called us to do, that, that we not allow people to influence us to stop doing what God's called us to do. You know, God has a calling on each and every one of your lives this here today. God has gifted you with talents. God has gifted you to serve him. But the, the world and Satan and your flesh, it's doing everything it can to, to keep you from doing what God desires for you to do. Do you know what Satan wants? Satan wants you to do anything other than serve God. It's truth. And there's influences in this world and in your life that are trying to get you to do anything other than serve God. Paul says, pray for us. Now, if the Apostle Paul struggled with this and asked for prayer, I'd say this, probably most of us in this room, if not all of us, need that same prayer. Be careful that things that are influencing you. Be careful the things that want to, to take you away from serving the Lord and introduce you to sin. I need to hurry. The Bible goes on to say in verse number three, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. He wants us to understand the realization of God's faithfulness. I want you to turn back again to 1 Thessalonians with me, if you would please. Chapter number five in verse number 23. Again, just a page over or so. Chapter five, verse number 23. And Paul writes this. The first time as he's encouraging them that Jesus is coming again, he writes this. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he that called you who also will do it. Paul says, I want you to live your life in such a way where God, the God of peace, he sanctifies you. I want you to live your life in such a way that you're blameless, blameless so that when Jesus Christ comes again, that you're found faithful. You're not found living in sin. You're not found uh, being, being drawn away by the influences to sin. You're not found living in the world. You're not found living in your lust. You're not found living a double life, but you're found faithful in serving the Lord. That was Paul's desire. 
Paul said, I want to be found faithful. I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to live my life to where, where, where Christ is displeased with me. I want to live my life where I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Paul said, I desire for you to live your life that same way. Live your life in such a way that your testimony is blameless. Live your life in such a way that your testimony is glorifying to God. Live your life so it matters for Christ. Our lives ought to matter for the cause of Christ. Paul says he's challenging to realize the Lord's faithfulness. And what he's saying is you can't live this life in your own strength. You must have the Lord's help, and you can count on God's help. Isn't that good to know? Anyone ever say, don't worry, you can count on me? And you call them and they don't pick up? Call me anytime, I'm always there. <laughs> and they don't answer your call. You know what the reality is this? Friends will fail you. You'll fail yourself sometimes. Paul says, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to live your life blameless, but I want you to understand that you can't live your life blameless in your own strength, but you can depend on the faithfulness of God. He won't let you down. He'll always be there for you. He is faithful. He says, I want you to realize in the faithfulness of God. Number four, look with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter number three, number four. He says this in verse number four, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we command you. He says, I have confidence in the Lord's work. I believe, I believe that God is faithful and I believe that he is going to accomplish his work in you. In verse number five, he goes on to say, and the Lord directs your hearts into the love of God and into the patience waiting for Christ. Paul is saying here, pray for us. That the Lord will be accomplished in my life. Or this, that I'll be found faithful to the Lord. And so we see Paul says, I want you to have a deep commitment to prayer, and I want you to see this as well. Whatever time we have left here this morning, I want to concentrate on this. He says, I want you to have a deep commitment to stay faithful. Look with me in verse number 11 of chapter 3. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all but are busybodies, now them that are such, we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus, and with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. You know what he says? There's some amongst you that all they want to do is talk, but they don't want to work. They're busybodies. They'll put their attention and their nose in things that have nothing to do with them. They're not trying to help you to become better. They're just busybodies. They're not interesting in the cause of Christ because they're not witnessing. They're not even sharing Christ with anyone else. They're just busybodies. They just insert their opinion in everything that's going on, and none of it is helping the cause of Christ. They're busybodies. And Paul knew this, when that happens, 
people get weary. He said there's going to be some, some that are just going to insert their opinion in things and, and it's going to cause you to get tired. It wearies you. Do you know those that always have an opinion about something? When you see them coming, you're like, oh my goodness. Here we go. You want to walk away, but you can't. <laughs> you know what Paul's saying? They're in the church as well. So you thought they were just in your neighborhood. You thought they were just in, the, in, in your workplace. But they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and they seek to draw strength out of you. Do you know those that when you're done, you just like, you're physically, you're done. Like they suck the life out of you. You know anybody like that? Wow. Paul says, I want you to be careful. And then he says this, don't be weary in well-doing. You know what he was saying? I encourage you to continue to do right, even if you got to do it alone. I, can, I encourage you to stay faithful. Don't let others discourage you from the work you were saying. You've got a work to do. You know what that work is. You know what God's called you to do. You know that lost people need to be saved. You know that you're there to be a lighthouse. You know the purpose that God has saved you and left you upon this earth. You know that you're a child of God. You know what's right. You know you're not supposed to live in sin. And keep doing right and don't let people discourage you. He says, don't let others discourage you from the work. He says this in verse number 12, stay focused on your walk. Stay focused on your walk with the Lord. Don't get discouraged. You know, listen to me, in the last days, Paul says, there's gonna be a great falling away from the faith, but don't let that be you. Stay faithful. I see some of these Bible studies that we're starting, and, and I encourage you, I encourage you to get involved in something that will ground you. I encourage you to get involved in something that will cause you to be accountable. I encourage you to get involved in something because there's a great falling away that's going to take place. It's where Christians just become apathetic. where sin really doesn't affect you anymore. Where you see sin, it does no longer convict you, where now you, you see it and it used to bother you. Now you see it and it doesn't bother you. And not only does you, you see it, now you're involved in it and it doesn't bother you at all. Well, once you used to believe, you used to be involved, you used to be engaged, you used to be involved in the work of the Lord. Now, now, if you're faithful to a service or two, that's the best you do. Paul says, don't get weary in well-doing. Stay focused on your walk. Each person here, I would challenge you that you personally need to stay focused on your walk with the Lord. If it's been more than a day that you've been in your Bible, it's a too long, get back in the word of God. If it's been more than a day that you've been on your knees praying, it's been too long, get back on your knees and pray. In the world that we're living in, it's getting worse and worse. And the, and the, and the, and the influence to draw you away, the influence to cause you to be uh, uh, like the world, the influence to keep you from serving Christ is greater now than it's ever been before. He says, don't get weary. Stay faithful. Care for your walk with God. Stay focused on your walk. And he says this, don't, 
having a deep commitment to stay faithful, determined to stay the course. Turn over with me to first, again, just a page over, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse number 15, Paul writes to the church, he says this, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. How do I stay faithful? How do I stay this course? Because I find Paul saying to the church not to be discouraged. Don't get weary in well-doing. And it's one thing to tell someone. It's another thing to know how to do it. I know, I know Paul says to stay faithful in your walk with God. That's wonderful, but how? I know I'm supposed to, to enjoy my relationship with the Lord and not be enticed to sin, but how? I know that Paul says that there's going to be a great falling away, but how do I make sure that's not me? How does that happen? Paul tells us, and I want you to take special note here to these several verses. Paul says in verse number 16, he says two words. He says, rejoice evermore. Do you know what I believe is wrong with many Christians today? There's no rejoicing. There's no rejoicing. We're just as critical. We're just as unhappy. We're just as miserable as the lost world is. Listen, we are saved. You're a child of God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that Jesus Christ is coming again. And listen to me, if you die before Jesus Christ comes again, listen, he's going to raise your body from the grave. And if you're alive when he comes again, you're going you're to leap into the clouds and you're going to be with those that have gone on before you. But Jesus Christ is coming again and you're saved. You're a child of God. You can enter the throne room of heaven and petition God through Jesus Christ. There's something always to rejoice about. So Paul's saying here, rejoice evermore. Listen, our rejoicing button in our heart needs to get fixed. We go home, and it should be a, a godly home and a Christian home, and instead of it being a place where there's joy and peace and contentment, there's frustration and fighting and, 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 and disunity, and it ought not be that way. Your home ought to be a place where when your family comes together, it's the place you rejoice. Listen, there's two places that I want my family to always love being, and that's our home and it's our church. Listen, they're going to get garbage out in the world. I don't want them to get it in the home. I want them to come to the house that, that were, where they live, and I want there to be rejoicing. I want them to come to the house of God and there to be rejoicing. And Paul says this, you need to have a deep commitment to stay faithful. One way to ensure that you stay faithful is always rejoice in your life. Always rejoice in what God's doing in your life. Always rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Whatever is happening in your life, use that for a reason to thank God for what he's doing. He says in verse number 17, he says, pray without ceasing. Christian, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you praying? 
He goes on to say this, and I need to be done in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In verse number 18, he says, your heart ought to be a heart where you're constantly giving thanks. Giving thanks. Look with me in verse number 19. He goes on to say, quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Verse number 21, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. In verse number 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Paul says this, I want you to have a deep commitment to prayer and I want you to have a deep commitment to stay faithful. But you can't flirt with sin if you're going to stay faithful to God. You need to abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't get close to it. Don't let it get close to you. Stay as far away from it as you possibly can. But don't, don't, don't flirt with sin and think that you're going to be able to have a relationship with God. He says abstain from it all. Paul says this, in the last days there's going to be many that fall away. He says, Jesus Christ is coming again. Comfort one another with that. Knowing that the day of the Lord is coming, knowing that one day the church is going to be raptured, one day we're going to be in heaven, but until then, make sure that you're committed to prayer and make sure you're committed to staying faithful. How do I stay faithful? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And abstain from all appearance of evil.